this egg in here is usable. It's usable from the moment that it was laid through till the 22nd of August 2014. It's best used when it's fresh. I've been reading about eggs. Best used when it's fresh, although now it can probably still be decently hard boiled, I suspect. And best kept in somewhere cool, doesn't have to be the fridge, I'm told, but somewhere cool, dark, and away from places where it might get smashed. Imagine too. This toy of my son's is usable. It took a while to get it out of the multiple layers of packaging that they come in at it, but then it became usable when it had batches in it, when we read how to use it, when we haven't lost all the little things that you fire out of it. He thinks it's great when it's usable. <laughs> That's fantastic! Not going to get the baby stones. <laughs> I'll get in trouble having them after. Well, I thought you were going to pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> my car is usable, greatly usable, as long as I know how to drive it and I do the right things and I avoid poles and things like that. As long as I put enough petrol in it, it is usable and use it on fairly decent roads and it's greatly usable. The person sitting over there is usable. From the moment of their conception until their last breath in the cool or the heat of the day whether their tank is full or not they are usable the person sitting beside you on either side the person sitting in front of you the person sitting behind you is usable from the moment of their conception until their last breath regardless of their weaknesses their failings, their baggage, their understanding, their skills, their talent, they are usable. The person sitting in your chair is usable. That's you. You are usable, infinitely usable, and of great value. This month, as you can tell from just this morning, if you've only been today this month, we're thinking about this topic of usable, and we've been looking at characters from the Bible. We didn't look at Evan and Noah, but we've looked at different characters from the Bible and how they've been used by God. And this morning, we're looking at the character of Esther. She has her own special book in the Bible. It's to the left of the middle, to the left of Psalms a bit. And it's well worth a read. If you haven't ever read it before, it's well worth getting it out and having a good read. It is a fantastic story. But my husband has challenged me to tell you the story of Esther in a hundred words. So here's good. I'm using pictures to help. Of course. I'm trying to get out of the way. Okay. Thanks. Am I now completely in the way? Yes. Okay. Where? Down here. How about that? Esther. Persian King Xerxes, 470s BC, enormous empire, enormous wealth. Banquet. Intoxicated king, must show off stunning queen. Queen, nah, -nah refused. King banished the queen forever. Regretted it later. I'm going to that Next, please. Jewish Esther and cousin Mordecai. The king gathers beautiful virgins, once new queens. Esther gathered. Keeps nationality secret, Esther favoured. One night with the king, Esther chosen, becomes queen. Pa 
Amen. Second in command, all bound. Mordecai wouldn't. Haman hates Mordecai, hates Jews. Cunning plot to kill Jews. King agrees, Jews mourn. Mordecai, Esther, help. Esther, afraid. Approach king uninvited? Death sentence, unless king chooses to save. Mordecai, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. <laughs> I might think never finishes a little bit later on. I ran out of words. <laughs> but what a moment for Esther. A moment of usableness for her. Usability, I'm told, not usableness. Usability for her. Huge risk. She might die. Huge risk. And yet maybe God would use her to help save all of his people. I wonder whether you've had moments where you've had a big choice that you've had to make. Shall I say yes to teaching Christian studies? Shall I build an ark? Don't imagine many of you have to think that one. But have this moment or stirring within you that maybe there's something you need to be doing, something useful, usable you need to be doing. I imagine most of us have those. But I imagine for many of us, just day to day, through the days, we have moments to be usable. Moments when we can love somebody, we can give somebody hope, we can bring comfort to somebody as well, responding to their little stirring. If you've been here for more than probably a couple of weeks, you've probably heard of Days for Girls, um, which Michelle has been chatting. She come up here, grab your mic on the way, great. Michelle has been um, representing this group as charity, and they produce these feminine hygiene packs um, for girls. These sanitary packs, actually. Um, and then they send them out to girls in developing countries who don't have anything else. And Michelle's been involved, and that's why I thought, great, wonderfully usable. Let's hear a little bit from her. So, Michelle, can you tell us how did it all begin? Not for you, but for this Days for Girls. How did it start in the first place? Um, well, Days for Girls started back in 2008 with an American lady called Celeste Merges, and um, she was involved in a church community she still is, um, and their church was involved in a mission group in Kenya, and they were connecting with this orphanage, I believe they'd been there previously, and they were planning a trip to go back. And so in the middle of the night, one night, two in the morning, she says, she woke up and just thought, what are they using for sanitary hygiene? Sent an email off and they got the reply, nothing, they wait in their rooms. Um, so with further investigation, she found out actually they were just sitting on bits of cardboard on their bunks, um, for the however many days they were menstruating, um, getting dehydrated and malnourished because unless someone remembered to bring them food and water, they wouldn't have anything. Um, so that was the initial instigation of this. So it was a bit of a journey. Originally, what they did was fundraise and send disposable products, and then when they got there, they found that that would actually cause more issues than they would solve. And that's when they decided to make reusable kits that are washable. Um, and so they, they've been through a number of designs of these kits, but when they actually first took these um, washable kits to the girls, um, they actually discovered that the girls were actually being sexually exploited to get hold of disposable products. So there was actually product available for them to use, but they were being exploited to get access to that, and that is what she says really sparked 
that she was going to set up Days for Girls as an organisation to change the life of girls around the world, which she has amazing on girls. So what, what difference has she made? Um, well, so far, Days for Girls um, is a grassroots organisation charity that has teams and chapters around the world. There's over 210 chapters and teams around the world now that um, make kits and distribute kits. Um, we partner with other groups and organisations and individuals to distribute the kits. Um, and so far, since in the eight years they've been going, they've distributed over 100,000 kits to girls and women. Um, and that's only the ones they know about. There are probably actually a lot more than that that have gone out with people who've just gone on board but haven't actually become officially involved in the organisation. Um, and we've been in over 70 countries around the world on six continents. So that's amazing news from a small grassroots organisation that's fully volunteer funded. And how long does this kit last? Um, they, the kits we say last up to three years, but we know that they last about 3.2 years. <laughs> it obviously depends on the care that they have. Um, and these are usually generally being washed in a washing machine, then being hand washed, and you know, that may be a bit rougher in some circumstances. Yeah. And what about you? How did you get involved? Uh, well, I think it was May, June last year that I had bought a Spotlight magazine to get the voucher back. And um, when I got home and read it, I found that there was actually an article about Days for Girls um, in there. And so I straight away that night looked up the Days for Girls website and read it cover to cover kind of thing. And I just was really excited. I just felt that it um, really sat with a lot of my own passions and experiences in life. Um, and so that's when I decided that I'll do something about it. And I, I pretty much knew that I wanted to start a chapter, but I tried to be wise and go, well, I'll just wait, see how I go, get a little try first before I dive right in. And um, I got up to some people at NCR to see if I could find some many people that might be interested in um, distributing this, like the East Timor or somewhere like that. It ended up being East Timor last year. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and we were able to um, do some sewing and we engaged, and that was the very beginning of it. Yeah, and a few engages, I think. Yeah, we've done lots of engages, I think about four engages since then. Yeah. yeah. And what about um, since you've been involved, has that made a difference, do you think? You getting involved, what difference does that make? Um, it's made a big, well, I think it's made a big difference personally in my life. Um, I feel like I have a calling and a purpose, um, and I was at a place. Uh, at about that time last year when I heard about Days for Girls that I decided to um, stop working. I used to do massage and my hands were wearing out and I decided, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I was actually in a real a place where I was going, no, I'll just I'll just be home, I'll just look after my family and I'll just see what God wants me to do. And then he handed it straight to me. But um, I feel like personally I've developed a lot of skills and I am developing a lot of skills through doing this you know, public speaking for one. Um, and, yeah, in terms of our chapter, we distributed 70 kits last year um, to a women's shelter in East Timor. Um, and Jen's um, team that she went to, to, to Uganda this month uh, delivered 100 kits and also taught sewing of the kits over there. Um, and I've got about 200 kits sitting in my front row waiting to go to Kenya at the moment. But they've all been locked on before they get um, sent off. Yeah. And you were sharing before how um, about 10 years ago somebody had said to you, um, that they sense God was saying for them, for you, that you were going to be you, something to do with your gift of compassion. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, this person said to me that, um, you know, that I was significant to God and that I was not, um, you know, that I was not nothing um, and that he was going to use my gifts of compassion. 
and I really didn't know what that would be. And it probably has been eight to ten years or so since I, I um, had that person tell me those things. And I really feel now that, that this is probably what that was about. It may be about other things too later on, but right now I feel yeah, that confirms that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. I don't want to Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when God created people, I believe he had usability in mind. Acts 2. People were created in God's image to govern his world and the creatures in it. In ancient times, if something was created in something else's image, the idea was that the thing that was created carried the very essence of the thing that it represented. It would carry the essence of it in the world. But also the thing that was created would also act on behalf of the thing that it represented too. So in saying that we were created, men and women were created in God's image, it is saying that men and women were created with the very essence of God in them to represent God in this world, to act on his behalf as we govern the world, as we care for the creatures, as we live beside each other, that we have this essence of God. I think if we look around at people that we know, if we look, sometimes we have to look slightly higher, we can see the very essence of God in them. Goodness, a sense of responsibility, a sense of caring for people, I do think that in all of us, this is tarnished in some way by selfishness or rebellion, but there is that essence within us. We were designed to be of use in this world. And for those of us that have chosen to be followers of Jesus, I think there are other layers of usability that have been added on top because we're called to love God wholeheartedly, to love other people too. We're called to be a light in this world, that as we go through the world, that we're to reveal God in it. We're called to be the very place where heaven and earth meet, that when people come into contact with us, they find comfort and goodness and love and joy and God's very essence. The list could go on and on and on, but we won't do that this morning. But I do believe that each person in this room was made birthed, useful, and usable. So far this month we've been looking at, have we, are we useful if we're too old, or too young, or too brash? And this morning we're thinking about, what about if I'm alone? What about if I am alone, or feel alone? Am I usable then? Maybe we sense a stirring to be doing something, but we feel alone and we think, well, how can I make the right decision? How can I take the right action if I'm alone? Maybe just in the everyday life we feel a bit alone. Maybe we're stuck at home with kids a lot of the time. Maybe we're surrounded by people at work, but they just seem to think differently from us. Maybe in our families, they just don't quite get us. We can feel alone, even surrounded by people. Esther in King Xerxes' palace, I imagine would have been surrounded by people. But I wonder whether when Mordecai challenged her, go to the king, yes, you may face death, but go to the king and plead for our people. I wonder whether she suddenly felt quite alone. Because on her own, she would have to approach the king, which was an automatic death sentence for interrupting him, unless he offered mercy to you. On her own, she would have to have wisdom of action and wisdom in her words to know the right thing to do. On her own, she would have to plead for mercy for her own life. 
and for the life of her people too. I wonder what some of the things are that could have held her back from taking this action. Because I think they're probably things that can hold us back too from taking action and being useful. If we want to know um, how useful the egg is, we can read about it, we can look at the labels that tell us about it. If we want to know about the toy, we have instructions too, and little symbols and labels telling us about it. In the car, again, instructions and little pictures and symbols all over the dash and all over everywhere to help us to know. But I think sometimes this is true of ourselves too. I think sometimes we've actually stuck labels onto ourselves, and we think that these tell us how useful or not that we are. Maybe over the last few weeks, some of the topics have resonated with you and you've possibly put a too old label on yourself, a too young label on yourself, too brash, maybe. So let's just look briefly at what some of the things are that maybe can hold us back. I imagine there are a number, but we've only gone to look at three of them this morning. And I first think the first one is insecurity, lies, and fear. I think the chatter that goes on inside of our heads through the day can be incredibly powerful. I wonder if Queen Esther, when she was just letting her mind wander, thought some of these things. Who am I to think that I can do anything? The king only chose me for my beauty, not my reason. I've never done anything like this before. I'm feeling a bit fat today. He obviously doesn't love me anymore, as he hasn't wanted to see me for ages. I'm on my own, surrounded by foreigners. How can I stand against the king's decree? It's been sent to every province in his empire. I'm just me. I'm like dark. What if it doesn't save me? He banished the last queen. He could be drunk or in a bad mood, and then I am doomed. I have no power. Why does Mordecai think I have any power? How could my cousin do this to me? He clearly isn't caring for me. He's willing to risk my life. I'm all alone. <coughs> Maybe the chatter that goes on inside our heads goes something a bit more like this. Who am I to think that I can do anything? And we label ourselves insignificant. I'm not that smart. I don't know all the answers. Done. I've never done anything particularly useful before. I only do what anyone would do, and most of them are better than me at it. She said I'd never amount to much, and she was right. Inadequate. I'm stuck. I'm on my own too. No one else seems to care about this. They're way too busy to support me. One person can't be enough. What if it all falls apart and I'm left in a mess, alone, scared? I don't have enough time anyway. There's never enough time. So much is expected of me already, and I'm just me, small. When we're feeling insecure or fearful, sometimes we believe lies. Lies that maybe have been spoken to us as we've been growing up, or maybe lies that we've just come to believe as time has gone by and situations around us. But they can lead us to believe that actually we can't be of much use. A second thing I think that can um, hold us back from being of use is busyness too. We were hearing that a little bit this morning. 
I am too busy. I have too much to do. Esther could well have said, Mordecai, I am the queen. I am way too busy to do something like that. And you think the king has got enough time to listen to me and fix your problem, our problems? She could have then busied her brain so she didn't hear the stirring within us her to do anything. I think sometimes, too, we confuse this word, busyness, with usability. We think if we're being usable, we have to be very, very busy all the time. I think we confuse that. Maybe we have a stirring within us to do something, but our lives are just too busy to do it. Or maybe our minds are so busy that we don't even hear that stirring. We don't even have time to think or reflect. And lastly, I think if we're honest about it, um, the thing that can hold us back is that we're just plain selfish sometimes. Esther could well have thought, I'm going to get away with it, I'm the queen. Nobody really knows here that I'm a Jew. I'm not going to be killed. It'll be all right. I might have kids. I can call them Jewish. All will be well. She might have done that. Maybe for us, we've shut down the inner stirrings because they make us feel uncomfortable. It might be pushing us to do things that we're not feeling comfortable about. Although we might want to hide this label a little bit, but maybe it is just to do with selfishness. Well, Esther did not let her fear. She didn't look at these labels and go, I can't do anything about this. She didn't say, I am too busy to do this. She ignored what she felt about herself and she believed the truth of what Mordecai had said in that magnificent sentence in Esther, actually. When Mordecai challenged her and said, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Well, Esther did have some time up her sleeve. She had time, so even though she was broken, she had support from the Jews in the city around her, and she organized for them to fast for three days. And she too took three days to fast. And I imagine in that time she prayed, and she reflected, and she planned too. And then she went to the king. Alone she approached him, and he did have mercy on her. And he said, okay, well, what do you want? And she said, well, I would like you to come to a banquet with me, and I'd like you to bring Haman, your second in command, too. <coughs> Haman, the very man who hated her cousin Mordecai, who hated all Jews, who had come up with this cunning plan to kill all the Jews, and had gone to the king with deceptive words and a huge bribe of silver so that he could get his way and wipe out every man, woman, and child on a particular day they were to be killed. <coughs> Well, she invited them both to a banquet, and they had a very lovely time. And the king said, oh, what is it, sweetie? How can I help you? Or words, who knows what he said. But he said, what is it? What's it? What do you want from me? And she said, well, actually, I want you to come again. I want you to come tomorrow and um, come to the banquet again. And so they agreed to do that. But Haman's hatred of Mordecai and the Jews was growing every single day. That very afternoon after the banquet, he had a 22 and a half metre spike pole set up, which he intended to have Mordecai impaled on in the very near future. But again, he went to the banquet the next day, and they had a lovely time once again. And the king again said, what is it? What is it that you want from me? And Esther bravely said, I want you to spare my life. I want you to spare the life of my people. 
Well, the king was puzzled. Well, who would do this? What are you talking about? And she turned and bravely said, this wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy, accusing the man that the king trusted more than any other. Well, the story ends with Haman himself being impaled on the very two and a half, 22 and a half meter pole that he'd set up for Mordecai. It ends with the Jews being spared. They were allowed to defend themselves. The vast majority, nearly all, survived. And it ended up with the Jewish festival of Purim being established, thanks to him. And in this festival, it says, they celebrate the fact that the Jews gained relief from their enemies when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning was turned into joy. All because Esther was brought to the throne for just such a time as this. All because Esther took courage and took action. She was usable. She was very usable. What about us? How can we respond if we sense a stirring to do something? What about us in the everyday lives? I loved it when God said to Evan, it's those little moments of kindness or whatever the words were he used. How in our everyday can we bring relief and gladness and joy in the world around us? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to counter the lies with truth and we need to counter fear with courage. I think we need to look at ourselves and say, what do I think of myself? Am I usable with God? And we need to see that these are lies and we need to replace them with truth. I think we need to take off insignificant. I'm making such a mess today. <laughs> and replace it with valued. We can remind ourselves, I am valued. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I love that. We can get rid of dumb. Whoops, and half of the next one too. We can get rid of dumb and replace it with equipped. Now may God, the God of peace, equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. Michelle has discovered, people have discovered, um, Dave that we were talking earlier, that as they do these things, God will equip them to do them. We can take away inadequate and replace it with enough. Enough. I am enough. If God wants to use me and fill me, I have all that I need to do that. We, are, we now have this light shining in our hearts that we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This great tre treasure can be within us. We are enough for that. Alone can be God. We are not alone. We have God with us. We have God with us. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Scared is gone too. That's so sticky. <laughs> take courage. It's a choice. It's a choice. We need to choose to take courage. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? We can remove small and replace it 
with powerful, the cause of God. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Maybe though we then look at ourselves and go, hey, I'm worth it. Maybe I've got a little bit of time to be selfish. But I think really, if we look in the depths of us, because we have the essence of God within us, we know that is not how we were made to live. We were made to be useful. We were made to bring goodness to the world. We are usable. We are usable. Let us not let the drowning out of the world telling us to put ourselves first. Let us not drown out the truth within us to be useful. And the last, the next thing, the second thing is to take time. To take time. Esther took time before she acted. I think there is enormous value in taking time to reflect, in taking time to pray. Whether we're stirred into a really big action, I'm going to get involved in this big thing, or day-to-day living, day-to-day usefulness, I think taking time is really important. It helps us to assess what's most important in our world that we can remove this busy label and this word that I'm so pleased pleased has been used throughout this morning, available. We can say, God, I am available. I'm available in this world to be of use. I wanted to just flag this prayer of exam. There's a beautiful reflective prayer that takes you through various steps. And one of the steps it takes you to is reflecting on your last 24 hours. But you do it with a specific question. So you might say, God, please show me how I've loved other people or not in the last 24 hours. Please, God, show me a moment that's been important in the last 24 hours. I find it quite astonishing when I do this. The number of times the moment that pops into my head is so small. And it's only because I've taken that moment to reflect that actually I've realised how incredibly significant that is. I've got a few of these. If you want any of these or you want to know any more about it, come and see this afterwards. Another thing that I think is hugely valuable in being usable is having a mission statement. Having taken some time out to pray, to reflect, coming up with a sentence that defines who you want to be. When I'm doing the exam and I use my little mission statement, God, please show me in the last 24 hours when I've done this, when I have not done this. It's a wonderful way to reflect. If you want to know more about that, again, please absolutely come and see me afterwards because I believe that God uses us in the big things, but uses us in the tiny, beautiful, precious moments of the day too. And finally, (coughs) ask for support asked for support. Esther made herself alone, but she asked for support from people around her, and she asked for support from God too. I imagine there's quite a number of us sitting in this room that don't really like asking for support, but we want to be of use. So I think there are some times when we just need to go, I've just got to swallow my pride and ask for support. Or I've just got to take courage and I've got to ask for support. I know Michelle really appreciates the support she gets and the help that she gets from the people here from NCR who are involved with her. Better still, we can ask God for his support too, that he will be with us, that he will um, give us the wisdom and the strength that will spark his essence within us, that we can be usable, that that will come to life. 
that we will be people who know from our birth until our last breath that we have lived well. And we have lived well because we are living how we were created to live, available to God, available to be of use. And I believe God continues to whisper down through the ages and continues to whisper it now. Do not fear, I am with you. Look at who you can be because I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Will you choose this very day to be with me? The band begins to come in a moment and play a song. And I wonder while they're doing that, whether you can reflect on this whole month the, the parts that you've been here. Reflect on this month and ask, what is one thing I need to do in response to all that I've been hearing about and thinking about being usable? It may be you need to do something. It may be you need to stop doing something. It may be you need to say, maybe I need to reassess actually what I think, who I think I am, how usable I am. It may be to do with busyness. It may be to do with asking for support or taking time for reflection. But what do you know the one thing that you can do? Can I encourage you to then think, well, who am I going to tell about that? Who's the person that I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to do, so that I can then tell them again when I've done it? The other thing I'd love you to do while you're sitting there, if it's um, of help to us, is there's two sticky labels on every chair. And I wonder whether on one of those sticky labels you could write either the word usable or another word that stands out to you that would be most helpful for you on one of those sticky labels and take it home and put it somewhere where you will see it this week, just to remind you of what you want to remember this week from this topic of usable. And you've got another sticky label there too, because I imagine as we listen, sometimes people come to our mind and they don't know that they know how usable they are. I don't think they get the amazing things they do. And maybe at some point this week, you just want to encourage them in some way. You could write their name on that sticker and maybe how you might encourage them. And then take those home and may they be of use to us. But whichever chair you are sitting on this morning, may we know that we are usable by God and that that is so good. Thank you.